Today, we are talking about a subject that probably has gotten us more flack than anything as a ministry. Uh, Today, we're talking about repentance. Ray, would you say that probably of anything, this is the thing you've probably had people give you the hardest time about, criticize you about? I think so, because their criticism is so subtle when they say it's based on Scripture. You don't preach repentance. That's what comes after you put your faith in Jesus. It's something that issues out of it. But when you study Scripture, it's always repent and believe, repent and believe, because you can get someone to believe in Jesus, but if they haven't repented, they're not saved. They can sit in a pew. That's that's what's happened in so many churches. People invite Jesus into their heart without any repentance, and they're supposed to repent sometime further on in their Christian walk, and it never happens. Ray said something extremely interesting when he left the room a little while ago, and that was, I'm going to get chocolate. After having consumed chocolate, the lovely pieces of chocolate that Scotty always provides for us here on the table, Ray, do you have chocolate of which we know not of? Yeah, I've actually got an addiction. I've got to confess it to you guys. I can't stop eating chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. Oh, it's absolutely. It's dark chocolate, though. Yeah, it's dark chocolate. Is that chocolate. what it is? What did you mean? You said, oh, no, I have special chocolate. Yeah, it's dark chocolate. Which made me feel very unspecial. Yeah, it's good for you. Someone I said hate that. with a passion dark chocolate. Thank you. You have the You too, Mark? Oh, I... Oh. I'm you know shocked why, that though? people like it dark. Call it something else. Oh, I love dark chocolate. Don't throw chocolate oh, in the same it's, Oh, it's amazing. Mm, you know what, what though? It's bitter, not sweet, uh, and you don't like exactly. bitter. What, who wants bitter chocolate, oh. Oscar? See, you don't taste the bitter marks. I, I feel closer to you than I, I ever have. I actually do feel closer to you. <laughs> I'm shocked <laughs> that people like dark chocolate. I, I hate the fact that the word chocolate is in the middle of this. Oh, milk, milk, chocolate, stop, or nothing. It's so bad for you. You guys make me feel like a legalist. Dark chocolate is horrible for you. Dark, horrible, bitter chocolate. This is it's like the lukewarm, like, semi- <laughs> Ray likes to be lukewarm. So you're compromising yeah. on your yeah, chocolate intake? Yeah, it is a bit intake. of a compromise. It looks dark, but it really tastes good. Yeah. It's got yeah. a sweetness to it. Well, guys, seriously, though, dark chocolate. It, is, it is very hard for me to imagine that there was once a time in the world when there was no chocolate. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Scripture. It's got to be pretty old, though. No, nah, I mean, chocolate hasn't been around as no. long as you think. But cocoa couple hundred yeah, years, but, maybe. Yeah. Do you think Jesus ever craved a piece of chocolate after like a fish meal? <laughs> Do you think that he <laughs> one day, someone, guys, when one someone day, wasn't looking, he just created a mint chocolate and <laughs> quick <hog and> He <laughs> could have done that. But you know, when I, scripture, I, I, saw, when, I saw a video a while back on YouTube where guys that got chocolate in Africa, the the whatever it is, the cocoa plants, cocoa. that never tried chocolate. Really? They oh, never tried. They never tried the processed chocolate. They didn't oh, know what they yeah, were. yeah. Have and you it, seen them? And it, and it showed them actually eating it and just going, wow, they didn't realize what they're involved in. It's kind of sermon in there somewhere. Yeah. Have you seen the seeds that chocolate comes from? It's uh, the size of a football. No. No. It really is. Really? Yeah, cocoa cocoa seeds are the size of a football. They crack them up, and it's really cool. Maybe I win. some of them, Oscar. I've seen them process them, and they're like little rounds. Beans. You know nothing. I've been to a chocolate factory in Switzerland before. Oh, Was it owned really? by Willie? They take you through the entire process from that giant football looking thing to grinding it to adding milk and sugar it's pretty incredible yeah i mean in in scripture the equivalent of chocolate for that time would have been honey you know Mm -hmm. i mean that was the 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 dessert right i mean that was the pinnacle but man it's chocolate look at me i can't but smile it's just so glorious even the word chocolate 
Yeah. If ever I struggled with idolatry, it would be with chocolate, but I don't. So I did something out of character. I just went through after the first podcast recording, and Sue said to me, "Why'd you park over there? That's where we're going to park the porta porta potties." And you ran <laughs> and you ran over the cone, and it stuck under your car. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, I'll ask you the same question that I've asked you billions of times. When will it end? I don't know. Just stop it. I can't <laughs> just stop this is my it. life. We've often said Ray will start World War Three. So the uh, question is, uh, Ray, when are you going to start World War Three? No, he'll start the events that will end the, That's the where entire universe. From. What is that? Well, some before Oscar, it's, before, it's, before they cook the bean, that's what well, it looks yeah, like. Look, it's, Oscar's showing photos Sh- of a big chocolate football. Shut the Here, I'm going to put it <laughs> up to the, the microphone, microphone so you guys can see it. It does look like a football, Oscar. It's like white Thank chocolate. You. Wow, I judged you in my heart. Yeah, well, I you thought, know, I'm used to it. Yeah, <laughs> Football true. will never look the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> you can <laughs> see why people run after it so much. <laughs> oh, chocolate. Oh, we got to stop talking about chocolate. You should All right. We got a comment from A Smooth. Ooh, I like that. A smooth, so helpful is a subject. Is it, it was says, that ace move or a smooth? A S. Oh, as smooth. Oh, it's a capital S. No, I think they mean a smooth. A smooth. Do I sound smooth? Operator, the mic. <laughs> Operator, help! Uh, I fell in love with this podcast after the first episode I listened to. It's Why? not only witty and funny to keep you engaged. Uh, it's scripturally based, and the council is wise and compassionate. Easy is. I truly <laughs> sense these men's desire to help believers grow and understand these topics from the eyes and heart of God. Why, thank you, A Smooth. Guys, seriously, how encouraging are these comments? Mm-hmm. That's pretty so awesome. wonderful. I'm glad I wrote them. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you did, right? A Smooth. Yeah, they are really encouraging, though. I, it's, it's pretty cool to see uh, the range of age groups that are listening to the podcast and, yeah. and to hear back on how encouraging because it's just us sitting in this room with the microphones like there's no engagement and so the reviews are one way in which we get to almost hear back from you it's like a conversation it's really we really yeah appreciate it. and you know it, it seems like some of you have been following alpha beta's a uh, long time advice back in the day you guys remember alpha beta the no. grocery store yeah <laughs> You, you've heard of Alpha Beta? Yeah, I used to go there. Oh, wow. You used to steal from there? What are you going to say, I'm so curious. Tell a friend. Nobody remembers that. Tell a friend. Is that their that slogan? Was, that was their slogan. No, you and, made that up. No, tell a friend. Prove it. And obviously, our friends have been telling friends, because as we've told you, friends, this podcast is now one of the top podcasts on the planet out of any category. Uh, and definitely in the top 20 to 30 of Christian and spirituality religion podcasts. So thank you. Keep telling friends. Friends. <laughs> and if you want to find out more about Ray Comfort and his life, make sure to pick up Out of the Comfort Zone at livingwaters.com. You're really good at that. Thank you. Ray, that's a good book. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed writing it because it's um, it's a true story. It's about what happened in MacArthur Park when we're, I came over here and started feeding the homeless. It was the most murderous place in Los Angeles. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I uh, saw people attacked with knives and people murdered the night before I was there. I had to preach my back to a tree. I wouldn't do it again. I was very naive in those days. I used Kinda to give like out money and some kids said, don't give out money, you'll get murdered for it and all sorts of stuff. Were you naive when you stood up in Jerusalem and opened it? That preached? was very naive too. <laughs> What happened there? <laughs> oh, a guy spat on me five times and easy filmed it. We just posted that video. Oh, man. Yeah, did I film it? And they tried to get the video from me. I'm passing it around behind our back. We had our good friend uh, Dan Arnold with us. It was his trip. He invited us along. That's when we met him. 
And uh, yeah, Ray gets about up. The Passover when you were passing around. The- yeah, yeah, Ray gets up. He starts preaching. He he gave a girl, I think, five bucks to translate yeah, or interpret, interpret for you. Yeah, and. She's interpreting. Ray's doing trivia. Ah, everybody's laughing. I mean, he was like the, the the greatest guy in the universe until he said the name Jesus. Jesus said, "If you look at a woman, oh man, the entire atmosphere changed." Some I of these wonder guys, how she translated that. I've never <laughs> <laughs> remember. Like as she after right after you said that, she put out her hand, "Give me my money," and she took off. Did she really? Because she, she knew was what was out. coming. Oh yeah, she took off. And you see the guys standing there. They start looking around like they're looking for the police so they could get Ray. And then they saw me with the camera, and they came at me, tried to get the camera from me. And, uh, yeah, I pass it around. And Ray gets off the box, like, hey, yeah, right, do you have one of these? Yeah, right. I'm like, Ray, they're going <laughs> to kill us. That was, I would have to say, up until this day, that was one of the scariest moments of my life. I didn't realize it was scary until you told me afterwards. Yeah. I mean, he jumps died. down like no big deal. I'm like, Ray, they're going to kill us. Let's get out of here. And I was going to open air right after him, the Arab. I definitely would have gotten killed. I mean, he at least, you know, he's got Jewish background. They probably sense the I'm Jewish. I'm glad you didn't him. because there'd only be three of us on the podcast. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. The only one that matters would not have been here. The opening would be a little better though. Yeah. So friends, today we are talking about a subject that probably has gotten us more flack than anything as a ministry. Uh, today we're talking about repentance. Ray, would you say that probably of anything, this is the thing you've probably had people give you the hardest time about, criticize I, I about? think so, because their criticism is so subtle, and they say it's based on Scripture. You don't preach repentance. That's what comes after you put your faith in Jesus. It's something that issues out of it. But when you study Scripture, it's always repent and believe, repent and believe, because you can get someone to believe in Jesus, but if they haven't repented, they're not saved. They can sit in a pew. That's, what we ha- that's what's happened in so many churches. People invite Jesus into their heart without any repentance, and they're supposed to repent sometime further on in their Christian walk, and it never happens. They're yeah. unsaved. Yeah. Yeah, and and this is something that uh, is a big part of the message that you have been known for, Hell's Best Kept Secret, the message that you've said you would, well, you did say you'd preach it a thousand times. I could preach this a thousand times, you said to the Lord, after you preached it the first time. Hmm. And you're at 800 uh, something? 836, and I'm not doing any more. Not doing it again. So but you, you don't said get to you would th- do it a thousand times. No, so. I said I could do it a thousand times, but I'm stopping before it to a thousand. Yeah, he doesn't want to get to the thousandth God's time gonna and drop kill dead. <laughs> this is it. Today's my last sermon ever. <laughs> Boom. As he prays out the But I think amen. what you're saying is very relevant. If you're heading that direction, when no law is used, then no, no repentance is necessary, it seems. Yeah. You know, David would not have repented if he hadn't trembled under the the words of Nathan. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? It was that knowledge that he had sinned against God that caused repentance to naturally issue from him. And it won't come if there's no law because sin isn't seen to be exceedingly sinful. Ray, when you say law, uh, clarify for the people. Law, the, the, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, you shall not kill, shall not steal, shall not commit adultery, etc. That's written on our heart via the conscience. So the conscience bears witness. And suddenly we see sin as very, very exceedingly sinful in God's eyes. And the analogy I've been using a lot with non-Christians is if you had a, a, a terrible disease, I'm not going to give you the cure while you think you're well. I've got to show you the x-rays. Hmm. If I'm a good doctor, I've got to make you sweat to see how serious this is. This is terminal. Now, I want you to pay attention. This is the cure. If you don't show them the x-rays of the law, the gospel will be foolishness to them. Wow. That's... Uh... 
uh, heavy and I think so needed. Now, now I, w- I want to dive into this, guys, because th- the controversy that I mentioned, the, the qualm that a lot of people have uh, is based on what I would say is, is ma- major misunderstanding in terms of where we've come from as a ministry on the subject. And Mark, a lot of it revolves around uh, the word repentance or repent. And I'd love for you to get into that and then for us to examine the fact that that the full sort of well-rounded sort of orb of what the word really entails is missed. But yeah. let, let's get into that. Yeah, it, it's the Greek word metanoia. It, it literally does mean a change of mind, but and people leave it at that, right? You just need to change your mind. But a true change of mind leads to a change of action that they they really do go hand in hand, right? Repentance, it's one of the most positive words in the Christian vocabulary, and it refers to a turning from a destructive path and moving instead into God's plan for one's life. Uh, John MacArthur said repentance needs to be as loud as the sin mm. was, Right, people need to repent for their lack of repentance, and Jesus didn't shy away from repentance. In fact, he said, "Unless you repent, you will perish." In Luke thirteen verse three, yeah. and if you didn't catch it in verse three, and then two verses later in verse five, he says it again: "Unless you repent, you will likewise perish." And Ray said it correctly: "Repent and believe the gospel," and that's what Mark one fifteen is all about. It's repentance. And belief, and that word belief is a is a strong trust, a cling to, a rely upon, is the way it's placed inside the amplified uh, version. Uh, Mark Dever said it's turning from the sins you love to the holy God that you are called to love. So it's not just a merely changing of a mind, as we common hear from the pulpits today. If you have a change of mind and it doesn't lead to a change of actions, well, then you never had your mind changed. Right. One will always, one hundred percent of the time, lead to the other. Yeah. I love what D.A. Carson said. He said, repentance is not a merely intellectual change of mind or mere grief, still less doing penance, but a radical transformation of the entire person, a fundamental turnaround involving mind and action and including overtones of grief, which result in spiritual fruit. I love that. It's, It's such a succinct but clear definition and description of repentance. And I love the fact they said it's not a merely intellectual change of mind. It entails that. Of course, that is the gateway of repentance, but it manifests itself in the, that transformation of life. Yeah. Thomas Brooks uh, was talking about repentance is uh, the vomit of the soul. Yeah. Right. In, in <laughs> other words, what he's saying is when confession comes from a repentant soul, there will be no holding back what comes out of the innermost being of that individual. He's not now trying to compartmentalize certain things. I'm going to tell you this much, but not this much. I'm going to hold on to this part, but not this part. No, it is. it just flows like a river downhill, and there will be no stopping it. It's the vomit of the soul. Boy, you see that with Psalm 51. Sorry, Oscar. David, have mercy upon me according to love and kindness, according to the multitude of tender mercies. Blot out my change of mind. He didn't say that. Blot out my transgressions against you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. He had seen his transgression and like, I hate the word vomit, but it's the vomit of the soul. I love Zacchaeus too. I've been looking at Zacchaeus, a little short man who became a tax collector. Zacchaeus mm. was a wee, wee little, little man. Lee wee little, little man was he. Is that your favorite song, right? I never heard that before. Didn't even know that song. That song should be banned. Anyway, what I was saying is the Bible speaks of his smallness of stature and 
I, I don't know if we're reading into it, but maybe that's why he betrayed Israel and became a tax collector. Maybe he was seriously looked down upon and despised. Maybe he was bullied, whatever the case. But I love the fact that Jesus looked up to him. <laughs> yeah. He was up a tree and Jesus, no one looked up to Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus, but Jesus looked up to him. He came down from his tree which means there's a change of lifestyle. He's coming down, and he's, Behold, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I wrong any man, I'll pay him back fourfold. That's good. Today, salvation has come to your house. That's repentance. That's issuing from sorrow for sin. I think a part of the challenge that some people have against when we talk about repentance is a misunderstanding. They think that we are... Uh, they, they they think that we're talking about some sort of works righteousness in order to complete the salvific process, um, but it, and I, and I think here is where uh, the order the salutis, the Latin for the, the the process of salvation, the order of salvation becomes really handy because a historic uh, both reformed and and I mean Augustine viewed it the same way. The order of salvation goes uh, election, calling, regeneration, conversion, justification, and adoption. And all of that stuff happens before you enter into the sanctifying process. And where does historically, do the theologians say that repentance fits in that? Almost smack dab in the middle in conversion. We willingly respond to the gospel's call with repenting of sin and placing our faith in Christ for salvation. That is in the order of salvation through uh, Christian history. That is how it's been understood. And so ultimately, I think the best way to describe it is, think about when Lazarus was raised from the dead. It is God's work that brings him to life. And when Jesus calls them to come out of the grave— Lazarus responds obediently by doing it. When we preach the gospel to the dead and we call them to repentance, we are following in our Savior's footsteps by calling them out of the grave. If they are truly saved, we will see them walk from death to life. If they're not truly saved, then the call to repentance falls on dead ears mm-hmm. and they don't come to life. That's where it fits in our proclamation of the gospel. Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100 That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, Spurgeon said, you know, there can be no peace between you and Christ while there is peace between you and your sin, yeah. right? God, we, we recognize and we know that 2 Timothy 2.25 says that God grants repentance yeah. that leads to the truth. So therefore, we can be uh, gentle and patient 
in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and come to a saving faith. It is the order by which God saves people is to tell them to repent. Yeah. Repent. Place your trust in Christ. And I want to add to your definition of repentance. You mentioned a turning from, a turning towards, a change of mind, a whole being. Uh, what's interesting is, is commentators, I've noticed this pop up more often than not when I'm reading older commentaries, is that an aspect of that word repentance also, and I love this, it also means homecoming, mm-hmm. which speaks back to creation because when he created us, we were very good. It was all good, right? We were a part of the God's good creation. And then the fall came and he kicked us out of Eden. And so repentance is a turning from your sins and in turning towards your home, towards God himself. And I think that that's a big, I just, I love the way some of those commentators put that out. And I think it helps also distinguish the difference between penance and repentance. Hmm. Because a lot of false conversions happen because people don't repent, but rather they have penance. Let me describe. Penance is a, a form of getting ready for grace. It's more about what you feel. So you'll hear people say something like, I'm sorry I was caught, or I don't want the consequences. If you're if your quote unquote repentance is primarily your desire to avoid the wrath of God, I'm afraid you might still be in penance and not true repentance because repentance comes from when you hate your sin and you have a love for God. Repentance is more than I just want a ticket out of hell. Repentance is I want to know the God who loves me and who has died for me. And the thing that I often tell people is think about like a marriage. I'm sure you guys have heard me say this before. If a man cheats on his wife and he gets kicked out of the house and he's sitting on the couch at his buddies and he's like, you know what? I miss my bed and I miss the cooking. And so he goes home, he knocks on the door and the wife opens and he goes, honey, I'm sorry. I just want you to cook me a meal and I want to sleep in my own bed. Hmm. Is that guy really sorry? Hmm. Or is he over the consequences of his sin? Is he sorry that he got caught? That's penance. Repentance is I love you. And I want reconciliation with you. What I want is you and you alone, not just a ticket out of my punishment. And when we have that love for God, when we see what he has done for us, his love for us first, that springs about true repentance. Mm. So there's a difference between penance and penitent. Is that correct? Is that a question? Yeah, well, I'm not actually (laughs) totally sure, but penitent means you're sorrowful for sin. It's another word for contrition. Penance is something that's promoted by the Catholic Church as a self-affliction for your sins. Yeah, penance is a a word that we know um, because the Catholic Church uses it, but penance itself doesn't, the word doesn't belong to the Catholic Church. Penance is when you're sorry you were caught or sorry that you're experiencing consequences which is very different than uh, desiring reconciliation in love. Well, yeah, there's also, there's also penance as an action. Uh, I, I used to pray a prayer every night when I was a young kid, having grown up in the Catholic church. And, the, and one of the lines says, to do penance. And oftentimes penance is associated with, yeah, doing things to make up for the wrong that you've done. Right. So yeah, let, let me read you guys 
what I would say is probably one of the most powerful quotes I've ever read on repentance. This is by uh, uh, Joram Abbott. He said, repentance is the tear of love dropping from the eye of faith when it fixes on Christ crucified. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that's good. <laughs> Let me read it again. Repentance is the tear of love dropping from the eye of faith when it fixes on Christ crucified. <laughs> and I love Oscar that you, you infused in there that love for God of, you, you know, your, yeah, your eyes are open, your mind has been shifted, transformed, and changed. You've gained a, a love for the God that you thought maybe you even knew but didn't, who was in reality your enemy, your judge, undoubtedly, and now you see him as, as, as your Lord and you cry out from that, and then it manifests in Boy, actions. I love that quote, Easy, because in my, in my um, experience, my repentance was superficial the night of my conversion until I understood the cross. Mm. My first horror was that God saw my thought life and lust as adultery. That was, was horrified. Yeah. But it was no real sorrow until I understood that Christ died for my sins. That was the cost. That's what produced godly sorrow, which works repentance. It's mm, so, so good, Ray. Yeah, again, Scripture is clear that the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Mm -hmm. And that power finds its outworking too in moving us to repentance. I love, Mark, the fact that you mentioned that Scripture says that repentance is granted, right? 2 Timothy 2.25, God grants repentance. We get harassed sometimes by even talking about, you know, the call to have faith, right? And faith can sometimes be labeled as a work, right? If you think about it in that sense. But by grace, you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Even faith is, is gifted to us by God. It's, right. a, it's an extension of His grace. You know, oftentimes people, uh, when they hear something like this, they think, well, I got to clean myself up. I got to clean my life up. And God is not asking us to clean our lives up. He's commanding us to lay our lives down. There, there's a difference because there's nothing you can do. It has to be a work of God. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this, right? Lest somebody get confused. We are not preaching sinless perfection. That no once you repent and you get right with God, then you will never need to repent again, that you'll never sin again, right? Mm. So repentance, though it uh, deals with justification and we get the imputed righteousness of Christ given to us, that does not mean we will never struggle again with sin, right? We, we will. You know, J.I. Packer said, repentance, as we know, is basically not moaning and remorse, but turning and change, and J.C. Ryle said, sin forsaken is one of the best evidences of sin forgiven, right? So we, we are not talking about achieving a, a perfection level, right? Repentance does not mean achieving perfection. We don't clean ourselves up by our own efforts, and then we try to get God to uh, accept us because we've done some good things, and now because I haven't sinned, whatever that sin is today, now I'm accepted into the beloved, and because I'm now accepted, now I can therefore serve God. No, I serve God because I am accepted solely based upon what Christ did on that Roman gibbet 2,000 years ago, yeah. not based upon anything I could ever do. Yeah. I, I love the way you put that. And I think it's, it's valuable to remember too, that repentance is about daily and it's not a doorway. 
what I mean by that is that often we talk about repentance as like, well, that's the thing you call non-believers to do. So they get into the doorway and now they're Christian. Mm. But as Luther pointed out, we should die a thousand daily deaths. The life of a Christian is one of constant daily repentance because as we move through our lives, God is sanctifying us, slowly revealing all of the dark crevices of our hearts to ourselves. That's exactly what was happening with Paul. You know, we've talked about this before. He's not increasing his sin when he when he's reflecting on himself throughout the scriptures. Instead, what's happening is he's seeing more and more how much in need of the grace of God he is, and be, and, and that's the process of sanctification as well. Yeah. If you're not dying a thousand daily deaths, mm. if you're not daily repenting from your sins, man, I'd be concerned. Yeah. No. Amen. I think I've mentioned before that in Romania. One of the derogatory terms that was used toward Christians was the word repenters. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. They would they would look at them and go, Oh, they're oh, they're those repenters. What a badge of honor. Yes. I mean, if you yeah. can call it that. I mean, you don't get prideful over being a repenter. I, I am, am a repenter. Ian Martin said repentance to be entire must be perpetual. Hmm. Yeah, oh, that's good. And, yeah. it, and it really sort of uh, someone else said uh, the the branch that bears the most fruit hangs the lowest. So when you're in genuine repentance, it's married to humility. Yeah. Amen. You just hang low because you realize what a sinner you are. Yeah. I mean, again, when we hear the word repentance or we hear someone say repent, oftentimes it can conjure up these foreboding emotions in us. Are, repent. You know, it's like <laughs> one of those draconian and it's like the word onions, you know? Whoa, whoa, you whoa. You guys know how much I hate onions, uh, I do Oscar. like that you just said uh, draconian. I have a question for you, Easy, because, uh, and you're kind of headed towards this, I think. Repentance is a is a Christianese word, hmm. right? If you didn't grow up in the church, if you're not uh, aware of the scriptures, repentance is not a part of the daily vocabulary of most Americans. They don't know what it means. Right. Yet it's so important when we evangelize, when we proclaim the gospel to the very people who have no idea what that Christianized word means. So how do you go about making sure that you faithfully include it but also that it doesn't just go right over their heads. Yeah, I think it's important to define our terms sometimes, especially when we're speaking to unbelievers. You know, we joke a lot about Christianese. In fact, in my book, I talked about how, you know, you could basically machine gun someone with all these Christianese uh, colloquialisms and, and, and they would just look at you with perplexity. Like what in the world are you doing? And I don't know why we do that. Like you know? nothing but the blood. Yeah, brother. Washed by the blood. Sanctified. Uh, I'm a justified. Uh. But I, I think, I don't know. We're so familiar with them. We think everybody else is. But it, but it is important to be careful of that. And it's important to guide people through it. So look, I think it is important to use some words because attached to those words are our meanings, and I, I don't think we should shy away from using certain words, particularly because then you never you never have a a culture that is uh, able to comprehend truth. But I think it's important to define those terms. I agree. So I would walk someone through it. Uh, speaking of Christianese, we we had a I think I don't know if I've ever told the story before, but we had a a woman, a member of our church, invite her atheist dad, and he still to this day comes semi regularly to church with her and uh, the grandkids and all that. But he heard us one time say, someone say, washed by the blood. Hmm. And he was like, after he was like, ain't nobody washing. Are you getting washed by blood? I don't think you should be going. He was like, what is happening? You're going to blame him. Sounds cultic. I mean, seriously, like, yeah, again, we hear it and 
we know. It, it resonates differently in our minds in an automatic sense because we understand what, what that's loaded with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for an unbeliever, it's like, what? You mm-hmm. know? But still, like I said, hey, yeah, we, we need to mention the blood of Christ to unbelievers, but you define it. You, you, you figure out a way how to, you know. Clarify. Yeah. So, and, and I love this uh, definition by Richard Blackaby or what he said here. He said, repentance is one of the most positive words in the Christian vocabulary. It refers to turning from a destructive path and moving instead to God's abundant life. And that's what I was saying. You know, it's it's become this draconian word, but it should be a good word. So will you use the word repentance with unbelievers? That's what we were just talking about. I'm glad you joined us there, right? Yeah, yeah well, I, there was a noise from the workman upstairs. <laughs> what happened, right? It, I went all the way upstairs and they're cutting a window with this really loud oh, tool. Yeah. And after about 30 seconds of trying to get through the barrier from New Zealand accent into Spanish, they had no idea what I was trying to say. <laughs> and that's why I'm still hearing it. Yeah, it's so a little I, I quieter. Gave up, but... I gave up. I thought, I don't know. They don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But yeah, 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 yeah repentance, you just explain to a non-Christian what it is. The world uses it. They would say President Clinton was penitent or repentant yeah. for his actions. The, and, and the news media expects you to get yourself educated rather than dumb it down. Yeah. And I think we just educate people when we're talking to them. Yeah, I agree on that. Oh, go ahead, Mark. You, you know, A.W. Pinky said the nature of Christ's salvation is woefully misrepresented by the present-day evangelist. He announces a savior from hell rather than a savior from sin. And that is why so many are fatally deceived and there are multitudes who wish to escape the lake of fire, who have no desire to be delivered from their carnality and their worldliness. Nice. Oh, oh that's, that's really good. good. So guys, I, I wanna read you something that, that I wrote uh, a is while ago. Is it gonna be ago. long? Oh, like hours and right, hours back. of mm-hmm. reading. Back in a minute. Does reading still put you to sleep, Ray? Yes. It does. I was doing it last night, but it took about 30 minutes. Can you imagine if you even read one word, you fall asleep? Automatically. <laughs> 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 <That'd be> miserable. <laughs> How would you drive down the freeway? Oh, really? You just wouldn't look at stop signs. <laughs> Don't read signs. So I, I wrote this in a moment of almost desperation because of the misunderstanding that people have when we as a ministry talk about repentance. And, and so maybe, look, shoot this down. Maybe it's gibberish. I don't know. But but this, oh, we'll this is you. what I wrote. Yeah. Anything How, else? Um, <laughs> started with um. um. What do you think? <laughs> All right. How can a person presently stop doing what they are not doing presently? In other words, if conversion is indeed a one-time, instantaneous, and legal transaction, at what point is one declared justified? Is it not at the moment that they exercise repentance and faith? Let's set aside the Calvinist-Arminian debate at the moment regarding whether or not one is converted before or after they repent and believe. At the moment that someone is believing and repenting, they are not participating in sinful activities that they are able to stop participating in. Therefore, repentance must begin with that sorrowful change of mind combined with faith in Christ and the gospel. Once that happens, a person is immediately saved. The proof of their instant conversion will be demonstrated by a life that bears the fruit of their genuine repentance, a life of cutting off participation in their former sins. Because if the seed of God abides in them, they can no longer practice sin. That's beautiful. Does that make sense? Because, Ray, the, again, this is where I think the big misunderstanding people have with you. You believe in instantaneous conversion. 
It's not, hey, go and, and keep stopping doing all of these things. No, you believe and you repent. Of course, there's that change of mind. You're, you're regenerated, you're born again, and then that's manifested in a life of change. Is that Fruit right? Fruit of repentance, yeah. Fruit of repentance. Yeah. Yeah. So I had trouble getting past your first sentence. It had me confused because it was so deep. Say it again. <laughs> From the, the first top. sentence? Yeah. How can a person presently stop doing what they are not doing presently? <laughs> right. Okay, here, here's another one. Maybe this will... That sentence is a gift. This is, really, this is yeah. brief, but maybe that'll open that up. Repentance is not a work because it's not an action. It's an inaction. Actions are works. Inactions are the automatic, instant, and natural fruit of a changed mind. When I repent, my mind is changed, and therefore I automatically and instantly transition from that moment to being inactive toward a life of habitual sin. I'm not now doing something. I'm simply now not doing something that I used to do. I love that. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yeah, really good. Thank you. A little bit of uh, mental gymnastics. There. Gymnastics. And you've finished your book. I have finished my book. 806 chapters? Not that few. Okay. Yeah, I did. I finished my book, guys. Yeah. That's wonderful. So you're going back and rereading it? I sent it? you guys a picture of me in tears after I finished it. I didn't get that. Well, 610 days of consecutive uninterrupted writing. I didn't miss one day. I started January 1st, 2021, and then just finished. What's the book called? How I wrote a book in 600 days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fight like a man, a bold biblical battle plan for personal purity. Now mm. comes the revision phase. You're up, bro. Yeah. This is going to take A lot years. of repentance. It's just send it to Lynn. Send it to Lynn. <laughs> send it. Accept you all do it. Oh, yeah. That creates like years of work. And we'll come back, comes back with her. soaked in red ink. Red That's marks. our editor. Yeah. Our I got editor. something back from her that they didn't have one edit on it. She didn't read it. Is that where I found those three? <laughs> no, it was a different one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so, guys, back to repentance. Acts 17.30. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent. So, Ray, repentance isn't an option. It's not a suggestion. No. God now calls all men everywhere. I mean, that's all inclusive. Mm -hmm. And the reason for the repentance comes in the next verse. Because, or the same verse, because he has appointed a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness, that should make us want to repent. That should make us want mm. to flee from wrath to come, to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And be covered with the blood of Christ. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, Peter, one of the 12 apostles, ended his most famous sermon by telling his hearers to believe in the name of Jesus and to repent, and in so doing, they'd receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see that in Acts chapter 2. And the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, explained in the book of Acts that people must turn to God in repentance and have faith in Jesus Christ, as in Acts 20 verse 21. So repentance is God's required response to sin. You know, oftentimes people say, well, I, I feel guilty for committing a sin. Our response is, of course, you should feel, feel guilty because you have done wrong. Now, what are you going to do with it? Oh. Right? You're going to soak inside a soak, is that the right word? Sulk inside the corner? Sulk, yes, yes, you're okay. <clears throat> yes, uh, sulk inside the corner, or you're going to turn to Christ. Yeah. You know, and so the solution is turn to Christ and live. Look in the mirror, but then look up. Mm. You know, there's a, a dinosaur in the room that we haven't talked about yet. It's uh, funny how whenever you hear, someone's going to say something. Yeah, but there's something we haven't talked about yet that we have to recognize, which is that repentance, especially for non-believers, that word is a loaded word uh, because it's misused, and I would even say abused, 
by so many people. Hmm. As a primary example, if I walked out on the streets and asked people what the word repentance meant, they probably wouldn't know. And if I asked them if they've ever seen it or heard it before, I can't help but wonder if a lot of them would get in their minds the image of the Westboro Baptist picketers, you know, with repent hmm. or burn, picketing dead military men's funerals. And so that word is abused. It is, we talked about it earlier, it's meant to be something beautiful, an invitation home, a a route towards God, your creator, towards his glory and your joy. And unfortunately, so many people cut corners and abuse that word. And so part of the stop and defining that I think is really important is to reclaim the beauty of the word repentance. Yeah, beauty. I mean, that is an appropriate word when talking about it because it's loaded with hope. Yeah, It's loaded with change and reconciliation and restoration. Uh, it's beautiful. Ray dropped his iPad again. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Ray, you, I mean, three, four, five times already. Yeah, I wonder if it's, that word is rejected because it's despised by the world. You take the word sin, the word righteousness, the word righteousness, judgment, all those words are despised by the world. And so the they'll deliberately skew it to make it sound really bad. Yeah. Because it has a, a, a taint with it because it speaks of God and moral responsibility. Yeah, and look, Scripture is clear on what the outworking of repentance should be, what that change of mind should result in. I mean, you look at what John the Baptist said to the sinners that gathered around uh, him. It's, it's Juan the Baptist. Juan, Juan the Baptist. And by the way, it's only three times I've dropped my iPad, not five. <laughs> Probably 30, Ray. Uh, Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Juan the Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> I got you on that one. Uh, Yeah, Matthew 3. I mean, John the Baptist, right? Right. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. I think the verse in in the the New Testament probably best describes this this balance is in Acts 26, verses 19 to 20. This is Paul. He's preaching to Agrippa. It says, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Yeah, and that's John the Baptist's whole point there. When he said, you brood of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath which is to come, bear fruit worthy of repentance. He's saying, listen, you, you say that you have repented, where's your fruit? Right. You have you have no fruit. Second uh, Corinthians 7.10 says, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not yeah. to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And so there's a worldly sorrow and there's a godly sorrow. We see the worldly sorrow with Judas mm. and we see a godly sorrow with Peter that leads to God, you're right. Whatever you say, whatever you want to do, wherever we go from here is okay with me because you're calling the shots, not me. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with repentance, but it's just provoked my thought that in reincarnation, you often ask people, what do you think you'll come back as? And they'll say, a lion or an eagle. <laughs> Something majestic. Something majestic. But what scripture does is it says you're vipers. Yeah. That's what it says. You're not lions or eagles. Why That's the human it, nature. Why isn't it ever, I'm coming back as an anemic louse? <laughs> why not? <laughs> or Lice. what were you in the past? They, yeah. they were princes and kings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is good. Ray, real quick as we wrap up, you mentioned Psalm 51 earlier, but just kind of flew by it. What a what a beautiful example that is uh, of a heart that has turned toward repentance. Yeah, and I so thank God that God saw fit 
to have someone there copying down what David was praying. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about Scripture, how incredible it is yeah. that we've got an intimate prayer that nobody else would have heard but God, mm. and, and yet we've got in Scripture. We have all these intimate conversations in the book of Acts between you know, uh, the governor and someone, they, they talk to each other quietly, and we have exactly what they've said because God's given us it. But yeah, Psalm 51 is a tremendous consolation to me because it so comes from his heart, like Mark says, the vomit of the soul. Yeah. I just don't like that word vomit. Seriously, <laughs> it's Thomas Watson. No, <laughs> well, it makes me feel sick. really does. Yeah. I wonder um, why. But yes, yeah, what's that? I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you I need have a repent, friend Ray. who is the loudest thrower upper I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Violent. Let's move on. You know, I was watching the other day a, a court case, and <gasps> they do this thing. Which, which child? Lawyers. Which, which one, one of your kids? Which one of my kids? <laughs> uh, Ethan, Ethan Spence, that kid of mine. And I love what lawyers do because they'll set people up, right? And they'll yeah. say, now they'll ask them a question that they already know they were asked in their deposition. And they'll try to trap them by them giving another answer. And so they'll do that. They'll, no, absolutely not. And they'll go, um, I have your deposition here. Will you please read for me what you said oh, yeah. on the second paragraph, line three? And they'll read it. And it's like they said that exact thing that they just said they didn't say. And it's like, and I try to imagine David after Nathan the prophet gave him that whole scenario with the, the, the guy with the lamb, the poor man that lies in his bosom. And when he points that finger and says, you are the man. Oh, yeah. That moment of like, oh, there's nowhere to hide. There's uh, Your sin is outed, you know? And, and yet against you and you only yeah. have I sinned. That to me, Ray, I would say is the epitome of, of true brokenness over sin yes. and the heart of repentance. Our sin is directly against God. There's no excuse, no justification. And without seeing God's holiness, it'll never happen. Why? While we have the, while we have the image that God's that old hairy guy reaching out his finger to touch Adam's finger, that it's not going to happen. Yeah. So we've got to we've got to give them the thunderings and lightnings of Mount Sinai to put the fear of God on. Oscar, I heard you breathing. Amen. Yeah, well, because you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna like this race. Psalm 51 is actually my favorite. It's the first full chapter that I ever memorized as a Christian. Uh, and it's my favorite one. It's the Psalm of Repentance, as you pointed out. It's the one that David pens after uh, he comes to a realization of what he did with Bathsheba and her husband. And what's what I love about it is that the, the process of Psalm 51 goes from confession, repentance, and then right after, right at the end, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. He starts talking about the proclamation of the gospel, yes. evangelism. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. So what's the point? The point is that a Christian who repents will also be filled with so much joy that they're going to go out into the world and tell others about it. Wow. Amen. Love that. So friends, we urge you today, don't just pent. But repent. Let's <laughs> just awful. and repent and repent, and uh, you you hear a, a hint of joy in my voice. It is because, as I said earlier, repentance is a good word. It's a word full of hope. And if you're listening to us and you recognize, wow, I'm not even born again. Well, repent today. Believe the gospel. Let God transform you, revolutionize you, and then have as much fun as we have here. I was about to say on the comfort zone, <laughs> talking about a throwback. <laughs> and maybe that's because I was just about to remind you about Out of the Comfort Zone, Ray's book. Make sure to check it out at livingwaters.com. Give us ratings, friends, comments. We love them. You've been seeing, we've been reading them here on the program. And make sure to email us at podcast.livingwaters.com with any thoughts, comments, and all kinds of criticisms for Ray Mark <laughs> and Oscar. 
We're grateful for you. Now get out there, repent, and join <laughs> us next time here on the Living Waters Podcast. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.